It is true today that there are many that do not think about the Lord's return. And there are comments that are made from time to time about how long a thing is going to take and whether or not it's going to happen, and they'll use a, a term uh, about uh, when Jesus comes back or when, you know, when, when the Lord returns. In other words, it, it's going to maybe never happen. And remember, when we talk about what Jesus promised, he said he was going away, but if he went away, he'd come again, didn't he? Remember, it was a long time before he came the first time. Before he was born as a babe in Bethlehem's manger, uh, there were many prophecies that were given, and there were many young women in Israel that had hoped they would be the mother of this coming Messiah, this one who was a special going to be a very special hero to the, to the people of Israel. <clears throat> and uh, it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. Uh, for generations, it didn't happen. And then the Bible says in the fullness of time, when, when, God, when God's time was right, then he allowed that to take place. And now we've gone many generations on this side of the birth on the other side. We waited a long time for him to come the first time and we've waited a long time now. And um, there are those that, like Peter said, uh, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Uh, we're not seeing anything happen, <clears throat> but God has promised us that he's in control and he's promised us that he has a plan. And so by faith we continue on and we look with expectation and hope uh, to see the fulfillment of his word, of what he has promised us. So <clears throat> I don't think I've ever preached on this whole chapter before out of Second Thessalonians. Um, and I thought about taking a verse or two of it, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I think I'll read the whole chapter. And you need to understand probably before we start looking at this that uh, these people, uh, the Thessalonians, were people that uh, certainly loved their Lord. Church had been had been born, as it were, in the fire of adversity and, and uh, turmoil as the devil was angry that the church there in Thessalonica had been started. And you can look at the book of Acts chapter 17 and you'll find where this, where this church began. Uh, Paul, had, Paul had left uh, the work that he had uh, and went, went on to Thessalonia, Thessalonica and uh, he said it passed through uh, these different places and I'm not going to read them to you, could, 
but I'm not going to. He came to the synagogue of the Jews. This is in Acts chapter 17. This is not, not the scripture reading per se for this message, but I wanted you to get a feel for what went on. Um, Paul preached for three Sundays, it says, and uh, there was a synagogue there. That means there were, there were a number of Jews. There had, they had to have so many Jewish males before a synagogue would be built, and then it was required that they build one. You know the synagogue back then was somewhat similar to a church today. It was a Jewish church. Uh, they had the temple in Jerusalem, but then they had the synagogues, different places wherever there were a number of Jewish men, and they would come, could come with their families, hear the Jewish scriptures, and be built up on uh, the things that were promised in, in the covenant of God to the Jewish people and uh, the prophecies and all. And so uh, how many of you know the Bible says it's to the Jew first and then after that it's the Greek and it's, it's, it's the others, it's us. <laughs> but to the Jew first, why to the Jew first? Because God made promise to Abraham, didn't he? And so Paul was following that, not because he was prejudicial, but because God said it, that uh, the Jews were going to, be his, his uh, means, his conduit, as it were, <clears throat> to proclaim salvation to the world. So the Jews always had an opportunity. Paul followed that pattern. He always went to the Jews. And oftentimes, over and over again, uh, he, was, he was tortured for it because... <clears throat> The Jews did not want anybody else to have access to the things of God, and they considered this to be heresy. They considered it to be false teaching. But when many people received Jesus Christ, the Bible actually says that the Jewish people, the Jewish men, would get jealous. And uh, that's what happened here. It says he went in and reasoned with them uh, for three Sabbath days, and... Uh, so they had time through the week to digest what was said. And believe you me, Paul used a lot of Old Testament scriptures to prove what he was talking about, as well as telling about the life story of Jesus and what he did on the cross. <clears throat> he said in verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ, so that is the Messiah name for Jesus because that's what Christ means, uh, he doesn't say Jesus, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, now here's a name given to the Christ, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. He's the one you've been waiting on. And some of them believed and, uh, and hung out with Paul. And uh, there were a lot of Greeks and there were some of the very influential women that believed it. They, this makes sense to us. We believe this is the Christ, that just Jesus that died is the Christ. But verse 5 says, The Jews which believed not moved with envy. So they found some, 
some very low-class people, uh, some people that uh, had no scruples, and uh, they used them to assault the believers. Jason here is one of them that they assault. Uh, and uh, so finally uh, the scripture says that uh, they bring them to the magistrates and uh, the scripture says uh, that they accuse Jason of, of receiving these, these guys that are, that are stirring up things. And you know they went to the uh, Roman government to say uh, they're teaching things against the Roman government. That was their club uh, that they could use to pound the apostles with, saying they're, they're against the Roman government. And uh, the Bible says they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So Jason had to post bond, took security of Jason, and and of the other, so we don't know who else. Then they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night. Uh, they had to send them out after dark because things were so volatile. And so they sent them away, they went to another place, did the same thing. <laughs> went to the next place and preached Jesus. He's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the one we've been waiting for. Well, uh, Paul had a certain teaching style that he used evidently. As we read where we see what he did, there were certain things when you were a new convert, Paul wanted to instill in you so that you knew what to expect. So uh, some of those things that were taught were the basics of their belief, their faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that they're, they are a new creation in Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, Corinthians 15 is one of the earliest uh, recounts of what happened uh, when, when Jesus died. So this was, a, this was something that was a pattern because here you have people that have not even been Jews and they're coming to believe in this Jesus. And so the scripture says that they had to be instructed. They had to know a few things about what Paul was representing. So Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. So, no, I'm not to the scripture amusing yet. <laughs> we're, we're just laying a little foundation here. Uh, so he's talking about the gospel. Uh, so Paul's going to lay out the gospel. Uh, he said this gospel is what you have received. So they could get saved without knowing a whole lot of theology, couldn't they? If they asked Jesus to forgive their sins and ask him to be their savior, and, and they received by faith that he had died on the cross for them, they could be saved, couldn't they? Uh, how many of us, when we first got saved, could, could uh, tell much about what Jesus did, about, about his death and so forth? Some were 
Some of us have been raised in the church, and we heard, we heard things for a long time, but you know they just kind of, some of those things just kind of bounced off of us, and uh, we didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, but, but when we came to get saved, uh, if we put our faith in Christ, then that happened, didn't it? We were saved. Jesus did forgive us. And then it, it's like our Sunday school lesson this morning. We were a new creation in Christ. Then we want to know all about it. Uh, what is this? So Paul says that he preached this gospel by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. Uh, we need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We need to hold in memory the things that we have learned. And then in verse 3 of this is 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And I'm sure they didn't have a New Testament. This is one of the earliest accounts of what happened, this scripture here in Corinthians. They didn't have the Gospels yet. So Paul is telling them, that I showed you according to the scriptures. Those are Old Testament scriptures. Probably Isaiah 53, uh, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That was probably one of them he would have used. Uh, he says that, that he was buried. He was put in the tomb. Then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then God raised him from the dead. And he goes on to tell all the people, or some of the people that saw him, uh, up, upwards of 500 at one time. So Paul had a regular uh, instruction for these people so that they know it was founded on the foundation of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Promise of God, and that this wasn't just something that happened out, wasn't, wasn't forecast, wasn't prophesied. It was something that was looked for. Jesus came. Jesus gave his life. And Jesus was raised from the dead. So, gives great credence, doesn't it, to the story. Here we have somebody that not only died, but he conquered the grave. And there are a lot of witnesses that tell us that he did conquer the grave, that he came back from the grave and he is alive. And no doubt he would tell about the ascension of Christ, about him being at the right hand of the Father. And so he would instruct these young converts. So, you know, so much word of mouth, so much sharing as they met together and heard the preaching of the word. But... When Paul talked to them about the Lord's return, and certainly he had that in every church, I, you know, as you read, it's very dominant in the scriptures that Paul's talking to them about Jesus coming again. So this isn't just the idea that Jesus died, went back to heaven, and that's the end of it, but he had to encourage their hearts, didn't he? He had to say, it's not the end of it. Jesus is coming again. And I've told you this before, and I don't think we have to 
dwell on it very, very much, but I'll just mention it to you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians, because we're preaching out of Thessalonians, these people lived in Thessalonica, uh, they got concerned because after Paul left, some people that believed in Jesus died. And they thought, uh-oh, Jesus hadn't come back. And, and brother so-and-so died, or sister so-and-so died, and I know they believed in Jesus. They testified their sins were forgiven, and now they're gone. <laughs> so now what? Uh, they've missed it. Jesus didn't come back yet. And so they're gone. They missed it. They're buried. <coughs> so Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, didn't he? And he told them in 1 Thessalonians, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's in chapter 4. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And if you look in chapter 4, and I'm not going to read this all to you, starting in verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are dead, asleep. Asleep is a Christian term for death because it's only a temporary thing. <coughs> I don't want you to be like Sorrow like others which have no hope. We have great hope. And so he instructed them that the Lord is going to return and he's going to bring the spirits of those who have died with him. And that's what it says here in the scripture. Those that died will God bring with him. And they're going to receive a glorified body. They're going to be raised back and uh, the big word there is, we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. He says that in Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15. They're going to be raised. They're going to get new bodies. And we that are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up. But Corinthians tells us, we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. And this corruptible... He's going to put on incorruption. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. We're going to lay aside the decaying and we're going to take the eternal. We're going to have an eternal home. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about the fact that uh, in this body we groan. But it's not because we want to die. It's because we want, we want a better body. <laughs> we want one that's not subject to pain. And so, yeah, in this we groan, but one of these days we're going to lay this aside and we're going to have a new model. We're going to have a new body that's not subject to pain and suffering. And so uh, he encourages them uh, with that word, and uh, so then everything seemed to be going good, but then they fell into persecution again. They started going through a hard time. We don't know exactly what the source of the persecution was for the Thessalonians, 
but they started being persecuted again. And some were saying, well, you know, this is, this is what it's called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, which in the Old Testament meant a day of judgment. It meant that uh, God's plan had already come almost to total fulfillment. And these Thessalonians are saying, whoa, we missed it. Uh, Jesus has already taken the believers and, and we missed it some way. And so they were, they were in a state of panic and depression and turmoil because they thought these people that were teaching this uh, were alarming them that some way they had missed it because they were in persecution. So this, they must, this must be the tribulation and the next thing is judgment. So they've missed out. Well... As you, as you look at 2 Thessalonians, then you begin to realize what Paul is correcting here. And so we'll read this, and I won't have time to dwell a lot on some of these things, but I think, I think it'll make sense as we go. And I'm going to let you sit there for a little bit, and then I'll have you stand with me uh, for a short time, uh, because... Uh, I, know, I know standing is great, and we can honor the scriptures by standing, but we can honor the scriptures by setting, too. Uh, I, I read the scriptures all the time that way, by setting. Uh, and I don't think I've done any disrespect to the word. Uh, now we beseech you, brethren, so I'm reading in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 1. Now we beseech you, or we beg you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand, or we would say the day of the Lord. Uh, let no man deceive you by any means, so Paul is going to correct their thinking. So if you look in verse 2, he's, he's talking about them being shaken in mind. Uh, somebody said that the, the verbiage there, the language there in the original, is like a ship on heavy seas that's being driven. And uh, the anchor is being uh, pulled against. And uh, the ship... The ship is in trouble. Uh, he says, don't be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit. So what was the spirit? Well, uh, probably a prophecy that somebody said they had, a, they had received a message from God. And not all messages that people say they got from God, not all those messages come from God, you know that? Uh, some people say that they, they got a special message and they know it's from God, but that's not always true. The Bible tells us to try the spirits or test and see if the truth is being spoken. Uh, 
So then there were those that were teaching that too, nor by word, nor by letter as from us. So there was some way, there was somebody that was misrepresenting Paul and saying that this word was from Paul. And Paul said, we didn't send you any letter like that, uh, that that day is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So Paul said, there are going to be some things that are going to set, set the stage for end times. Now he doesn't say that the church cannot be raptured before this happens. And when we're talking about the rapture, we're talking about when Jesus comes, as it talks about in 1 Thessalonians, and catches the church away. But there is, before the final, before, before the end time, before the end of uh, the church age, before the end of this day of grace as we know it, there is going to be a man of sin revealed. He's the son of hell or the son of destruction that's going to be revealed. And it says he is one who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Now there are those in that day uh, you know, you think about one saying that uh, he opposed God and set himself in the temple of God. Uh, the Maccabees had already been uh, through that kind of thing when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes set himself uh, and, and uh, worshipped a hog or sacrificed a, dog, a, a hog on the altar in the temple, uh, blasphemed and profaned. Uh, so they had some background. There were also Roman rulers that had put themselves in the place of God. So they knew some of what Paul was talking about that had happened. He said there's, there's going to be somebody that's going to come and they're going to do these things. Uh, remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And Paul doesn't go into a lot of detail, so we're kind of left hanging there as to what he told them. We don't know exactly that, but we do know that it was somebody that was going to come that was going to put themselves in the place of God. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Or you know what's holding him back. We don't know what Paul's talking about. We don't know what was holding him back. Uh, there have been different speculations on that, on what was holding back and what is holding back this final revelation of evil in the world. For the mystery of sin or iniquity doth already work. Only he who now, and the old King James says, he who now letteth, and it means prevents that from happening. Letteth there is actually not a good word in our language today. The one who prevents it 
is going to prevent it until he be taken out of the way. We don't know. Some people say that's the Holy Spirit. But we do not, we cannot conceive of the Holy Spirit being taken out of the way. Some say that he goes, the Holy Spirit leaves the world, but uh, it's, you can't really prove that from Scripture. Some say that it's the, the law of the land uh, prevents it from happening uh, and for him setting up. You know, there's a, great, there's a great push today to get the United Nations in charge of a lot of our, of a lot of our business in this country. Uh, they, want, they want the United Nations to be the ones to say, about uh, gun laws and about uh, different rules for vaccinations and things like that. They, they, they think there should be uh, one entity over all the nations that would have say. Uh, is, this what, is this what Paul's thinking about? We don't know exactly. And so we just have to leave that. Hey, if we live long enough, we may know. And... Uh, we all hope we go to heaven before that, but uh, we don't know for sure what, what the agenda is. And he said, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord cons shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So wicked there, and this one who's coming, this, uh, this, this one uh, who is going to exalt himself, uh, is going to be destroyed by the Lord. But there's not going to be a big struggle. Uh, that's a good place for a good hallelujah, I'll tell you, because the Lord, the Lord is not worried about who's going to win uh, in this battle. <clears throat> I was flipping through channels last night, <clears throat> saw an ugly thing on where two people were in a ring, two women in a ring, just clubbing each other. <laughs> well, I don't need to see this. <laughs> I flipped on to another one. Uh, I think finally I'd turn it off, but uh, yeah, it was ugly. But there's not going to be a battle like that between the Lord and the devil. Uh, the Bible says uh, that uh, the word of God is enough. He can just speak the word, and Satan is taken care of. And you can read about that where John saw, as it were, a sword in Revelation going out of his mouth. The word of God is enough to destroy the enemies of God. All he has to do is speak the word. And so the scripture says that he is going to destroy him uh, with the spirit of his mouth. And uh, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now what does that mean? He's going to destroy him. He's going to destroy him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So this person, this entity is not Satan. It is somebody that is like Satan. And so when, when Jesus came into this world, God revealed himself through Jesus in everything that was done, didn't he? Uh, Jesus did the miracles. Jesus, all the, all the things that Jesus did were to show the Father. He was, he was perfectly obedient to God the Father, wasn't he? He did everything at, at the direction of God the Father. 
That is what you have here with this wicked, with a capital W. He's going to do everything that Satan wants him to do. He's going to be, he's going to be, as it were, uh, infilled. We think of Jesus uh, being God with us. This is going to be Satan in this person. Uh, he's going to be the one that's going to direct him and guide him. He's going to perfectly, as perfectly as he can, do the will of old Satan himself. <clears throat> and what does that mean with all power and signs and lying wonders? Well, he is going to be able to do some amazing things that are going to make people think he's legitimate, that he's real, that this is the power of God. And uh, it's interesting when you read this about the power signs and lying wonders. Uh, when you look uh, at Acts chapter 2, and verse 22, uh, you find almost the same language uh, spoken about Jesus. Ye men of Israel, this is Acts 2, 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. As you yourself, as ye yourselves also know, huh? How can that be? <clears throat> well, some have pointed out that it says that when when Satan, through this wicked one, does these things with power, signs, and lying wonders, that that word lying is key because they're not real. They are illusions. So they have a thing, uh, I've never really paid attention to it, but it's one of the channels, one of the sub-channels I have because I don't have cable or any of that. I just pick mine up off the air. And uh, there's guys that sit there and, and they're watching somebody do magic tricks and they're trying to tell them how they did it. Uh, it looks real but it's an illusion. And, you know, things like putting a person in a little box and then transferring them and then bringing them and then open the little box and they, they go over to a big box and then they come out and it's a full person. You don't, it's an illusion. So Satan's gonna work that way according to what many believe. It's not gonna be real miracles. It's gonna be illusions, just like uh, where Revelation talks about uh, one of Satan's, the beast being wounded, as it were, a wounded death, and he survives. So um, there have been all kind of things said over the years. Uh, you realize that was said about Kennedy when he got shot. People thought Kennedy uh, was going to come back to life, and he was going to be the beast. He was going to be the one that was going to control well, we believe these are lying wonders, that Satan doesn't have the power, but he can. Look in verse 10. <coughs> and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. 
They're deceived. And it's in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So they're unsaved. They didn't want to be saved. They rejected. And the Bible says in verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So the longer you resist, the longer you say no to God, then the harder your heart gets and, and the harder it is to say yes. And it's a miracle when somebody that's up in years comes to find Jesus as their Savior because they've resisted for so long. So the things they see, if you read in Romans chapter 1, you'll see where people gave themselves over. And so when they gave themselves over, God finally gave up on them. God gave them over. And that's where we are with a lot of people today, folks. There are a lot of people today that really think they're right. I mean, they're really pushing their agenda. I mean, look at this monkeypox thing. And we've seen on the news people that have honestly reported that it appears to be a gay man disease, that people that are practicing uncleanness are bringing this. You remember when AIDS started? <clears throat> and now it's like this is, a, this is a worldwide problem. But there are people all around the world that practice uncleanness. And so now it's all of our problem because this monkeypox, uh, you don't want to... I had a blister on my ankle and I <laughs> went to... I didn't actually go to get it looked at, but the doctor was taking care of some other stuff. I said, tell me about that blister on my ankle. I said, it's been there for a couple weeks. <clears throat> I said, it doesn't hurt. Don't know how I got it. She looked at it and she said, it's not monkeypox. <laughs> I, I didn't say praise the Lord. <laughs> I hadn't, it hadn't really entered my mind until she said it. And she said, I, I can open it and drain it. And, okay, go ahead and do that. There was no, nothing there, so I think a spider got me. That's what I think. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's, uh, you know, people, they keep promoting these things that are killing people. You know, people that are involved in, in uh, homosexuality and, and all kind of perversion, they shorten their lives. Uh, but you don't, you don't hear that. You don't hear that. That's, you know, that would be discriminatory. We can't do that. We can't, we can't be mean to these people. We have to, we have to let, let them go and live their life. And uh, I'm not going to go down that road any further because you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but they don't dare call it out. Uh, but it says that, that they all might be damned, which is judgment, which is uh, God's judgment against them who believe not the truth. So that's their problem. They believe not the truth, <coughs> but had pleasure in unrighteousness. <coughs> and so... 
<clears throat> there are many things that could be said here along the way, and I don't have time to say them. But I wanted to get to this part of this chapter. Yes, we're looking for the Lord to come. And yes, uh, if you look at the first part of this chapter, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of, the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So it appears that Paul is talking about the rapture, about our being gathered together with Jesus. That's going to, what's going to happen when he comes for us. And then there will be those that are left behind. And yes, then there will be, according to what we read in the scripture, there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be trouble. And yeah, you can go with dispensationalism. Some have got it all figured out and they got charts made, you know, Schofield and all this. And you can buy a Schofield Bible and it's all laid out. Um, but we do not preach that we know every single thing that's going to happen in the sequence. Dr. Hermes, Tom Hermes, uh, I heard him, uh, I went to a uh, camp meeting uh, at Stoutsville. Um, Stoutsville is like Circleville, it used to be somewhat. Old tabernacle with the windows propped open and uh, wooden seats and uh, they have a whole lot of fans, uh, ceiling fans going down through the tabernacle. Uh, even though it was a hot night, it wasn't too bad. <clears throat> I'm not supposed to tell you. <clears throat> so um, I, I can't tell you that Dr. Hermes did something that he never does when he's preaching. Uh, and that was, I can't tell you actually. He said, don't tell. So, so I can't tell. Uh, but I can demonstrate what he did. Uh, so there. Now I'm not telling. But there. You know what he did. It was so hot. <laughs> so, so, so you can't tell him I told you. So, so, but uh, anyway, we saw him in rare form. Because <clears throat> uh, he... You know, that was one thing. Circleville, we always saw him with coat on. didn't matter how hot it was. Uh, so, anyway, he preached that night about the fact that, yes, uh, there is um, going to come end times. But he said, be ready. What, whatever. Just be ready. Just, just live for the Lord and be ready. And so there, there are a couple of things. I'm, I guess I can't tell you right now because I'm out of time. Uh, maybe I can finish this next week because there's, uh, there's some good things here that I think would help you to know. And I hope I've given you enough so that you, you know what Paul is saying. But uh, Paul says uh, in verse 13, uh, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Um, these people were being persecuted. Maybe they could not uh, be thankful themselves, but Paul said, we're going to thank God for you. And I'm going to read this to you, but I won't have time to comment on it. Um, 
Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold your traditions. And that traditions there can be read in the NIV and other places, teachings which, we, which ye have been taught, whether by word or our, our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Isn't that great? That is great. You see, Paul explains something to them, but then he goes on to the meat of what it is to be a Christian. Because I've told you before, we're not looking. We're not looking for this wicked person. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. And we're living for Jesus. And we're going to live for Jesus every day. So... If I didn't answer some of your questions, I probably won't answer them next week either. So <laughs> I'll do the best I can. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, heard, I've heard and read a lot of things about prophecy. Sometimes it's kind of interesting when you hear somebody uh, talk about prophecy and then they tell you everything is going to happen. Then you hear them another 10 years later. <laughs> it's different because things didn't happen that they said were going to happen the way they were going to happen. Um, let's face it, uh, the secret things belong to God. And uh, Jesus didn't tell the disciples everything that was going to happen. He just told them, spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. So we just need to stand firm and hold fast, don't we? Amen. And Christ is able, and Satan's no problem for Jesus to handle. God is all-powerful, and God wins. So stand with me this morning. <clears throat>